Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Kijaya Sri Sivura Ramadava Kijaya Jumri Vaishnava Guru Pampara Kijaya Sri Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Kijaya Dharaksaksira Dev Goswami Maharaj Kijaya Bhaktivedanta Swasati Thakur Prabhupada Kijaya Sri Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada Kijaya Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada Kijaya So good evening everyone Continuing our reading from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. And we are now in the midst of the initial response of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the questions of Prakashananda Saraswati that are the constitute a kind of a, a, a voice arising from the teachable moment created by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Aishwarya, combined with his humility. Hmm? Um, and what he has, is in the midst of saying, um, replying to the, uh, the sannyasin and his, his constituents um, with in regards to their inquiry about why you chant and dance, why don't you do the sannyas dharma and so forth, as we heard last night. Well, he, he explained, my Guru Maharaj told me I'm not qualified for that. I'm all qualified for the Gopal Mantra, the Krishna Mantra only, hmm. which of course is found in the Upanishads. And as I said, one of, one of the books they missed, perhaps, in their... Uh, study, and uh, so he is continuing to explain what his Guru Maharaj told him, and that all about the efficacy of chanting both Krishna Mantra and Krishna Nam. Hmm? So tonight he says, Nam Vinu Kali, excuse me, Nam Vinu Kali Kali, Nai Ad Dharma. Savramantra Sarmanam Eshastra Marma. So, without Nam, Nambinu, Kali Kali, in the time of Kali, Nayar Dharma, there is no Dharma. Sarvamantra Sarnam, the essence of all mantras is Nam. Eshastra hmm? Marma, this is the opinion of the, of the scriptures. A couple of things perhaps to draw from this. Of course, he's speaking about the the time, the quality of the time of Kali Yuga, and um, regardless of what one may think about that in the modern time, this is now the standard of knowledge of this time that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking from, Shastra, hmm, to someone who accepts it as, as such as well. Hmm. So this is a scriptural debate. What does the scripture say? Whether or not the scriptures are going to govern your life and be considered the source of all knowledge, that's another um, subject, perhaps. Um, but in the context of this discussion, Mahabharata was speaking, and he will speak clearly now uh, as he goes forward, from the sacred texts that, again, are the standard body of knowledge for Prakashananda Saraswati. Mm-hmm. and for all thoughtful people of the time. 
they had a sense, of course, that that comprehensive knowing could be arrived at only by revelation. Not that logic or reason was not it didn't have its place, but it had its place in relation to to revelation. Hmm? And then independent of that, it would be ultimately uh, circular and not uh, allow one to arrive at any understanding of real standing hmm? or, a, or a comprehensive knowledge by which one could be fulfilled hmm? and feel that there's nothing left to be known. Hmm? I know what, what what needs to be known, and it's me, hmm? what I am, and that, of course, in relation to my source, if we arrive at that as we must in the context of bhakti. Hmm? So, um, this is a general idea, revelation, that um, that reality is alive, and ultimate reality, if it wants us to know about it itself, it will make itself known, and this is one of the mediums. Hmm? Through the sacred texts, the Vedas are thought to be not compiled by any particular person originally. They were sounds. Eventually, obviously, in time, they were compiled into literary form, but the idea is that the sounds somehow uh, transcend human invention. As I said last night, in a similar way that uh, 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 Penrose posits, the physicist that I mentioned last night, that mathematical equations, certain sophisticated mathematical equations that so uh, precisely describe the underlying physical reality of quarks and gluons and so on and so forth, and protons and electrons and, and so forth, um, transcend thought, mind, and and the physical world. So it was thought, is thought, that, the, that there is... there is there, And in saying that, of course, he makes the point, and I think I raised it last night, that this implies this idea that there's, there are mathematical equations that correspond with the... With the with the substratum and the underlying nature of the physical world, hmm? um, this uh, uh, implies that they are unto themselves. The world is coming out of that. It's an approximation of that, um, and and that there is an objective standard of. Of, of ultimate knowing. Hmm? Um, in other words, it's not just what you think it is. There's a lot of talk like this these days, the anti-guru type of you know approach, be your own guru, whatever the books mean to you, find out what they mean to you for what you feel they are. And, uh, and you, know, you, you have your own enlightenment, which is a totally subjective affair, an idea that flies in the face of the experience and testimony of all mystics in all cultures for all time, really. Hmm? They all speak about the nature 
of enlightenment in such a way that if we look at it, it's easy to see that they're talking basically about the same thing. While there are nuances in terms of the way Rumi speaks about it or Jesus speaks about it or the Buddha speaks about it or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu speaks about it, there are there is so much common ground. It's all ego-effacing. They all speak about, even Buddhism, something more than the physical. Buddhists, for example, acknowledge a a mental, subtle um, world. And some say um, that Buddhists also, if Buddha, if you look carefully at him, he acknowledges a, um, a, uh, a transcendent reality, consciousness as well, and his no-self type of uh, preaching is more of a vehicle or more of a preaching strategy than it is a statement about an ontological truth. He says there's no self replying, referring to the false self in this version of Buddhism. Um, But he's not saying that there is no consciousness, if you will, self that transcends even mind. Um, But thought that, let's start with this. There's no, dismantle the false self. Uh, at any rate, there is so much com- and you know common ground. I mean, Buddha says, for example, that that, that, that the suffering of the world arises out of the thirst for it, hmm? and this is right out of the, the Bhagavad Gita. So um, this kind of basic level of common ground um, uh, speaks to us about an objective standard of what enlightenment is. It's not up to us just to choose and figure out and in a humanistic way. Just be you're as, it, all that you are as a human. Use the text to speak to you about your your humanness and come up with what it means to be enlightened. And for you, it's one thing, and for someone else, it's something else. This is very whatever you do, what you want, but this is very different. I'm saying from thousands of years of people whose lives have have have. Influence and will continue to influence the world for a long, long time. People who have who have who have gone against the current of the world and are better for it, and have made others better for it. The Jesuses, the Buddhas, the Rumis, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in our tradition, and so forth. And the, these are powerful. I mean, really, arguably, moral life comes from these kinds of people. You can dismiss them now. We don't need religion for morality. And say that, but the very, <laughs> but actually, morality arises in the context of believing in, 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 in the, the fact that there is meaning to life and purpose, and there's an objective standard of goodness, of beauty that transcends cultural differences, uh, and so on and so forth, and and, and knowing hmm, ultimate reality. So this is the Vedas. The, the, the idea of the Vedic sounds is a similar idea, hmm? and they had to be chanted in certain ways by expert people, and they had, and, the, and, and action and formations and whatnot um, influences obviously corresponded with them. For every, for all motion, all motion is accompanied by sound. There's no motion that's not accompanied by, or driven, that matter, you can say, by sound. We can't hear all the sounds. You know, we have a certain level that we can hear, but 
all the movement, the movements of the ants, the insects, the the the, the mammals, the waves in the ocean, the, the, the everything, the, the way that the atoms, electrons moving, they make a sound. So with every the things act. I guess I want to say. So for every dance, there is a song. And therefore you get these theoretical physicists positing ideas like string theory that poetically are spoken about as if they've, they're talking about the, the, the concert going on in the mind of God, something like that, vibrations. So um, the Vedic mantras are somehow thought like that, to somehow that the world comes out of them. Um, kind of like they would out of a mathematical equation. I think you'd have a hard time saying, you know, this mantra mean, you know, it, it means E equals MC squared or something like that. But it's just a kind of a, a concept. I want to speak about it in that way um, for the sake of making the point that um, that according to the sacred texts hmm, of the Hindus, there is an objective standard of knowledge, what it means to know. Hmm? An objective standard of beauty, an objective standard of of morality. Hmm? Um, it's not that moral laws are fixed for all time and place, but there is some objective standard of, 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 of good and bad nonetheless. Hmm? And so here, Mahaprabhu and Prakashananda, they accept this principle. And so, and one of them is is doing the so-called sannyasdharma of just studying the scriptures. That's what he does. And so Mahaprabhu is answering his questions based on the scripture. So referring to the sacred texts, he gives his answer. Now we may dismiss the sacred texts and think we've got better books now and better ideas and so forth. And, and that philosophy has become for centuries in the West, unhinged from the, as it, as it was, hinged to the East, the Western revelation of the Bible and so on and so forth. But, but of course, plenty of people think we're not better off and philosophy um, has come up, well, is running on empty. Hmm? Um, Western, Western philosophical enterprise is out of gas. Hmm? Um, a good number of people, thoughtful people, have, um, are of such an opinion. Whitehead, Alfred North Whitehead, said, um, how literally he meant it, of course, is a question, but that all modern philosophy, Western philosophy, is but a footnote to Plato. Hmm? And we mentioned Plato, the father of modern Western philosophy, last night in terms of his Platonic world, which is a world beyond mind, beyond physical, hmm? where, for example, there is an ultimate good, the ultimate beauty, that this is what here we experience an approximation of, and an ultimate truth, a logic, hmm? a sense. Math is, is logic. Hmm? So Mahabrabhu's idea, as we can see, which is the idea of the scriptures that he's speaking to Prakashananda about, is that nam. That sound, the sound of Nam, the sound of the name, the Logos. Logos means name and it also means logic. Hmm? Right? 
So, <laughs> you know, go to the professor here. That, but there's, um, the, the implication is that what's in a name, as we say, there's a lot there. Hmm? So the, the position of the Veda, as Mahabha was explaining here, the sacred texts, which Prakasana is so bent on saying that sannyasis should study, is that one sound, if knowing it comprehensively, you know everything in the Veda, then that sound is the sound of the name of God, and which name, of course, he's already mentioned, Krishna Mantra, Krishna Nam, hmm? so the name of Krishna. Um, that, that may sound sectarian, but it's, it's, it's really a question of understanding the implication of the name, and for that matter, the Godhead, Krishna. Um, that name is thought to be the most complete nomenclature for the Absolute, um, and it has, he has, different names as well. And so, different uh, functions, uh, different ways of um, looking at him or by which he reveals himself and thus is, is known. As Brahman, as Paramatma, uh, indirect names as we think of them, and your primary names, secondary names, then your primary names, like Govinda, Krishna, Narayan, and so on and so forth. But this is a whole, what Mahabharata was coming forth with here is a whole dharma of the, of the name. He says, Binu Nahi Nam. Without Nam, there is what? Nahi Ardharma in Kali. Especially in, in this time, there is no dharma, he says. And Nam is the essence of all mantras. And this is the opinion of the sacred texts themselves, the opinion of the Shastra. So he's making a, a point to Prakasananda, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting point. Um, it's not a point that is, while it may start to sound sectarian, which is Krishna Nam and only Krishna Nam, and he'll cite a verse to that effect, and so on and so forth, we have to understand the implication of, of Krishna Nam and the person of Krishna also. And how that is describing a very it's a very inclusive sense of the Godhead. Uh, one of our God brothers, Gorkeshwar, recently wrote something that uh, uh, His Grace Dulal um, um, Chandra Prabhu sent me, um, in which he uh, characterized accurately, I believe, Eastern tr- religious traditions to be in a general sense, by their nature, inclusive, and the Western Abrahamic religions to be exclusive, even amongst themselves. The Koran over the Bible, over the Torah, you know, and the Christians are against the Jews for sometimes for, for killing the Christ, and and uh, and the Muslims against the Christians for thinking that Christ is is God and not a prophet and not recognizing the more recent prophet, Muhammad. So they're at odds with themselves and, of course, with the Eastern tradition as well. But the Eastern tradition, like Buddhism, you know, Jainism, and uh, in Hinduism in, in, in particular, uh, I think more so than anything, Hinduism is, tends to be inclusive. It's, it's very variegated within itself. Hmm? You do have some variegation within Christianity, but at, at any rate, it's very inclusive. <laughs> Hinduism, hmm? um, and and as we go 
to up as we would think of it, the ladder to Krishna, the the, the, the full fledged, in the language of Sridhar Marsh, theistic conception of Krishna. We see it's a very inclusive um, conception. He's Rasaraj. All the feelings are in him. We we look at it from a feeling perspective, because he has the capacity to have all feelings, all loving feelings. We quickly conclude he's the most complete form of the Godhead, who is, well, the lovable object, right? Mm-hmm. So, who has the capacity to reciprocate in all forms of love. This is a simple kind of argument. Of course, the Goswamis make it in a very sophisticated way from a scriptural point of view and from a reasonable, logical point of view when the scripture is your standard base of knowledge. Now we have the problem in the modern world of the scripture, we would say, that the scripture is not the standard base of knowledge. So we have to speak about it in other ways to uh, uh, make a point such that hopefully this, these sacred texts could have more uh, credence, they'd be, be more believable in the eyes of the people. Probably but it was very, this is a very um, prominent emphasis in the preaching of Prabhupada, sacred text, sacred text. Hmm? Revelation, this this principle. It's easy to misunderstand and um, and um, make small of um, in 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 modern times, but it's actually a very deep point. I often I often put it like this: If you want to know comprehensive knowing, perfect knowing, perfect knowledge, which everyone knows, whether they say it or not, um, by which we'll be able to be have actions so in, perfectly informed that they make us perfectly happy. Hmm? And we have to, to get that perfect knowledge, we have to have a perfect method for knowing. Hmm? And the perfect method of knowing is not going to arise from within our present admitted, acknowledged state of imperfection. Hmm? This is a beautiful point of Chitomars. Therefore, the, the necessity of, of intervention hmm? Call it the Guru, call it Shastra, these are forms of revelation. Hmm? From within imperfection, perfection is not going to come. And from within perfection, imperfection is not going to come. That point you should understand. From within perfection, imperfection is not going to come. That is a contradiction. Therefore, there's no falling from Bhakunta. That's impossible. Hmm? This is the math of it here. <laughs> right? Very simple. With it from perfection, by its very nature, hmm, imperfection will not arise. Hmm. And imperfection, by its very na- nature, requires perfection, hmm, ingress of perfection, in order for it to, to overcome itself, so to speak, if you will. Um, so, uh, this is some of the basic logic behind the, the principle of revelation. And of course, these the sacred texts, um, the oldest of which is the, in the world is, is, is the Rig Veda, are difficult to understand in our modern times, which we say is, is uh, we refer to as the Kali Yuga. Hmm? Difficult to understand. So you need its succession, a Guru Parampara to understand it, to keep it alive, so to speak. And, and I mean, it's in an ancient language that's... For example, Sanskrit, um, difficult to access and understand. So you you have this chain of succession of masters, teachers, to keep it alive and relevant and 
and uh, and so on. And this is not going to go away. Hmm? These ideas are always going to find some some place um, in the minds of thoughtful um, and earnest earnest people who want to really uh, better themselves in a comprehensive sense and weigh in on the very essential issues. What is it that's out there and what is it that I am in here? I mean, this is what it's about. <laughs> what's out there and what, what's in here? What's being viewed and what is the viewer? What is the nature of that which is experienced and what is the nature of the experiencer? Hmm? I mean, these are the, the questions of human life that are not to be put off for this, that, and the other concern. This, that, and the other concern may have their place relatively to some extent, hmm? but these are the real pressing human questions that really differentiate us from other species of life that don't have the capacity to ask them. Hmm? And these texts have an opinion about that, hmm? a strong opinion about that. And they have a track record also. I mean, those, we, we, in our tradition and other traditions, we have a track record of persons who have applied themselves in relation to those texts. And they have cross-culturally encountered, experienced a sense of knowing hmm, that results in a kind of contentedness and lack of any necessity to take, to exploit, that rises to the point of, 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 a, of a compassionate giving, hmm? caring, that includes all things, the whole world, the animate, the inanimate, the, the mammals, the insects, the... the, the the uh, reptiles, the, what do you call them? Birds. <laughs> That's a fancy name, too, I think. <laughs> but uh, the, the humans, uh, a universal kind of uh, compassion. Of course, as in our perspective, from our perspective, this is only the beginning, universal compassion. And then we go up there and uh, enter into rasa and so forth. But, but this is a common, common denominator amongst the mystics, in different um, traditions and so forth. And these are powerful, powerful, influential people. People that stand as, like I said, like lighthouses on the shore in the dark night, hmm? uh, uh, when, uh, for us adrift in the ocean, that there is shore, there is land, there is land hmm? to be had. So Mahabharata is going is to give an argument from the scripture, I just want to kind of put it a little bit in, in perspective. Hmm? Because without a kind of perspective, it can start to sound a little narrow and just Krishna, and this is the only way, and, this, and, and so on and so forth. And, um, basically, he's speaking about Nam Dharma, and he's speaking about sound, the efficacy of sound, and the Logos, the divine name, the sound uh, that by sound, everything is happening. All motion is accompanied by sound, as I say. So, so the world, the perspective of the world comes into being by sound, and the world as we know it, of samsara, can be ended by sound. Hmm? And, and uh, the, that sound is Krishna. 
Krishna. There may be other sounds also that may do so to some extent. Hmm? Um, but uh, this does it in a very comprehensive way by, by causing us to move and, uh, uh, and mm, under the influence of that sound beyond the stillness hmm, that retires the, the misguided movement of, uh, uh, of this world. Hmm? So beyond the stillness that often transcendentalists seek to attain, there's movement, the dance, the lila, in other words. Hmm? Uh, so um, he's advocating this sound. And this again is the sound that's giving rise to the, not material, but the spiritual emotions that he's experiencing. And while they have, while they have you want to hear about them a little bit here, while they have a correspondence with material emotions, hmm? if you get fearful, your hairs may stand on end. Hmm? In sadness, you may cry, or in joy, you may cry, so on and so forth. Uh, when anger arises, your, your, your complexion may change colors. Your face may get flushed and red, and so forth. So these, these, are, these are common experiences. The astasatvikabhikar, the common experiences, invol- involuntary transformations arising out of material emotions. But what Mahaprabhu was experiencing these in a very extreme way. And the cause of them is, is, is bhakti rasa. Arising out of bhakti rasa. An emotional life centered on one sound, one name, who's not, which is, of course, non-different than the named Krishna. And here he is, a sannyasi, supposed to be a sober person. And he's, he's swooning and dancing, weeping, wailing and, and singing, accompanied by musical instruments of a life of transcendental emotion. That's, that's the, the world beyond the physical, beyond the mental, and the, uh, the platonic, platonic golok. <laughs> and the goloperu premodan, harinam sankirtan. He said, this nam comes from there. It's exported from there. Nautam is beautifully sung. Goloka Premadan, the wealth of Golok is coming to us through Nams and Kirtan. Through Nams and Kirtan we can, we, can, we can gain that wealth. We can become members there in the world of emotion and feeling and love proper rather than in this approximation of it that, con- that constitutes physical transformations of tears, facial muscles, muscles, heartbeats, and so forth, and transcends the emotional um, side of smiles, laughs, tears, loves, and so forth, hmm? arising out of the, the, the approximation of consciousness being focused, as we said last night, on matter. Hmm? So this world of transcendent emotions, well, it's, it is what it is, it's transcendent. It transcends the mental, it transcends the physical. Hmm? And the idea, Mabra was saying, this is the extraordinary power of Nam, Krishna Nam. This is what my guru told me. He gave me Krishna Mantra, and he gave me Krishna Nam. Hmm? And he taught me what the efficacy of both was. And now we'll hear his 
his testimony. And his testimony is important. Hmm? Because we can talk to a blue in the face about old books and how Shastra and Revelation and all these things. But if there's no example, hmm, it will be difficult to capture our our faith. It's important that the that the the, the, the moment that of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the world has been captured by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami and other eternal associates of his, as, as, as they're described, with a, with a number of, uh, quite a body, I should say, of uh, literary uh, contributions hmm? to Chaitanya Bhagavat, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Chandraya Nataka, Chaitanya Mahakavya. This is, there's a, a, probably a dozen of them. Hmm? And the more philosophical works of the Goswamis speaking about what is what are all these transformations? What is this this embodiment of ecstasy that the likes of which the world has never seen, hmm? material or spiritually? This is the historical fact of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? You can try to dismiss it and call it something else. As I've said, they call it sometimes some of the original Orientalists. They call it. Well, he was it looked like this Chaitanya was an epileptic. Hmm? He would, was prone to fits and passing out. And, and so on and so forth. But as we know, they often said epilepsy is not contagious. Mm. Um, and it doesn't arise from chanting Krishna Nam. <laughs> um, and, and meanwhile, well, we, don't ha- we don't need to refer to some modern idea of a diseased condition to describe this. We have a sacred text that talk about such things. Hmm? Goswami showed, this is what Radha is experiencing. This is what Radha is. Mahabhav Swarupini. And we talked a little bit about the, the philosophical necessity of a Radha, the theological necessity, the logic of this, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So, um, I mean, if it's in the text and it says, do this, and you'll experience it, and, and someone does it, and they experience it on the embodiment of it, well, that's our science for you. Hmm, there you go. <laughs> I mean, science is no big thing. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Everybody makes experiments, gets data, and makes conclusions. Touch fire, it burnt. You try it. Burnt me too. Okay, <laughs> we got consistent data. Fire burns. We got a law. There we go. Hmm. Um, so this is, this is something everybody does. You can hone it, and you can arrive at a certain kind of knowledge by this. That's a fact. But that, but you could know everything. <laughs> no, that's not possible. Hmm. And that by it you can become perfectly happy. Of course, that is the myth of modern science. Hmm. Today's this is the main the myth that by modern science we will um, arise out of the hell of human imperfection and enter into the heaven of robotic perfection. Hmm? And our reply is no thanks. I don't really I'm not really interested in having a chip implanted in my head to perfect myself in some very crude material sense of how I can function, even if that includes being the nicest, most polite guy. Hmm? 
most psychologically balanced, nice person. That's not enough to meet the necessity uh, of a transcendentalist who has the sense, the feeling that there's more to life than that. And that's what the texts talk about. We want that more. We think that more is at the heart of reality. And that there's a trans-rational way of arriving at it. Hmm? Call it mystical? Fine. No problem. What is life without mystery? If your science of modern-day aim is to take the mystery out of life, again, we don't... No, thank you. We're not interested in that. There's a way, a modern uh, idea, a very condescending way of looking at um, transcendentalists sometimes, or religious people, more so perhaps, um, by saying, you know, hey, we don't believe in magic. No thanks. Magical thinking. Hmm? Uh, no, we're, we're logical, reasonable people. You know, we have to ask, is it logical and is it reasonable to think, and I've said this before, that uh, that the physical reality will organize itself in some way, in, in, in a measure of complexity, that at some point it will start talking to you. Hmm? Start feeling, start experiencing. Hmm? That, to me, is magical thinking. Hmm? The basic ingredients of this table are the same thing that my brain is made out of. Hmm? There's no, there's nothing missing there. The same basic um, physical ingredients. Is, 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 it, is it? Anyway, <laughs> it's matter. Hmm? And so to think that it will organize itself in some way, that it will start to be experienced. I think that's very, very magical thinking. Hmm. And to think that there is something that transcends the physical, that there's a mind, and beyond that, that there's consciousness, hmm. that will be appealing to some, that will be reasonable to some. Hmm. And it, 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 puts, it places before us a, 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 a wonderful prospect hmm. of attainment in the hereafter and in the, in the now that will also make us a really nice person, <laughs> uh, a, a, a kind and compassionate, good person, and so on and so forth. So, uh, there's, a, there's a, anyway, so, some, some, some reason, some, some, some logos, some logic to the, to the idea of embracing the divine logos as a comprehensive uh, approach uh, to knowing. And this is what Mahaprabhu was advocating here in the texts um, uh, and enlightening the Prakashananda Saraswati about what the Vedas say. Hmm. They're a big Vedanta bit, but you don't know Vedavid Chaham. Krishna says that I'm the knower of the Vedanta. Hmm. Vedanta comes from me. Hmm. By knowing me, the implication is you can know all Vedanta. And I'm not different from my name. Hmm? And so, uh, this is what is about, and he, I'm, the point I'm making is he personifies what 
you know, what's being talked about in the text. He, you may not experience it, you may have little experience, but that certainly would be helpful. But if you have someone who is an example of what the texts are talking about, and the Goswamis have shown that the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu is what these texts are talking about. Hmm? Uh, and what that corresponds with. So we don't we don't need to defer to some other idea, epilepsy. We all have another idea in our worldview. When Sarvabhum about the charge saw Chaitanya Dev, hmm, the Mahaprabhu, hmm, the 24-year-old lad, hmm, the great master, falling on the floor of the temple before Jagannath, hmm, and f- having fainted in a swoon, not because he needed some medication, but because he saw Jagannath. And what did he see when he saw the big eyes of Jagannath with no eyelids hmm? that never blinked? He saw his eyes are like that, big, bright, and open, and wide, and looking for Radha. And there's no blinking in that looking. Hmm? And when he saw Jagannath, big, big lotus eyes, what else did he see? He saw he had a flute and a peacock feather. Hmm? Now, you can look at Jagannath, you don't see that. This is what Mahaprabhu saw. Hmm? In the Lord of the Universe, Jagannath. He's our Krishna, right? Mm-hmm. And he's passed out in the swoon because mm, he realized he's looking for me and I'm Radha, something like this. He passed out. His dancing in the Ratha Yatra, the Jagannath is moving accordingly. Mm-hmm. When Mahaprabhu stopped, nothing could make the, make the chariot go forward, even elephants behind it. This is the, this is the testimony of Sarup. Damara Sarup, Das. they saw this. Hmm? When, ja- when, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu stopped his dancing, or when he stood and danced in one place, the, the Jagannath's cart stood still, and even elephants pushed behind the cart, pushing behind the cart, could not move it. And when he began to proceed with his dancing, on down the, the golden road of opportunity, heading to Vrindavan, then Jagannath rolled on, Hmm? It's an incredible testimony. Hmm? What is the spiritual emotion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? When Sarvabhama, when he saw the boy lying on the ground, and the guards, were, Pujaris, were ready to beat him, you can't roll him around like this before Jagannath. Um, but they, they were stopped, and immediately, or shortly, uh, out of the sense of emergency, about the charge of Sarvabhama arrived. And he, and he was, who was he? He was about the charge of He was very well schooled in the sacred texts. Hmm? He used to teach sannyasis, young sannyasis, the nyaya, the logic of the Vedanta. Hmm? Yeah, Vedanta has some logic to it. It's the math. It's the mathematical equations, if you will, that can free you from lust and greed and the logic of that and, and, and these troublesome hmm, conditions. That are the opposite of being a giver. They constitute being a taker. And you want to find enlightenment in the context of that. You're looking in the wrong place. Hmm? 
But he knew the scripture. So when he saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he examined him. He took a quite swab and saw, put it near his nose and saw, he's alive. And then he, he recognized, Kampashru Pulakadeya. He having all these Astasatvikavikar transformations. Like when you get scared, and hair stand on end, like I said. When you get sad or joyful, you may cry, and so on. You get anger, the complexion may change colors. Well, all this is happening at once. And in extreme measure. And so he shoot everybody away, bring him to my house. Bring this body, embodiment of ecstasy to my house that corresponds with what the sacred texts talk about that you never see anywhere. Hmm? It's happening here. What kind of person is this? Hmm? This was his this is this this is the 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 the, 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 the greatest logician in all of India. <laughs> Sarvabhama Bhattacharya. He was not a he was a scholar, a very, very sober, sober person. He studied, studied, studied the Nyaya of India. He was a, school, a student, a master of, of the Nabha Nyaya, the new Nyaya. It's very heady, 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 heady stuff. Super heady stuff. Hmm. <laughs> it's dry. But these were people, this, this culture was not, you know, aboriginal, native, tribal people like some of the British thought that needed to be civilized. Hmm and so forth. They had math. They had their altars from way back in the, you know, Rig Veda. So they, they, they knew, you know, the square root of the hypothenuse or whatever, you know, <laughs> of pi, and, 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 which was necessary to build their altar and so forth. These were very, this is, this is the cradle of civilization. Hmm? And some, some very rich insights have come from there. Hmm? And handed down carefully and, and, Continue to be explained over the time and exemplified in here. Chaitanya Dev is such an extraordinary example of that. An example speaks louder than louder than precepts. So all the books are superseded by his own example, such that the Goswamis thought, if you don't think his religion is coming from the books, you got to be wrong because he is the, the very embodiment of what the heart of religious experience is about. So we got to find him in the books. It's got to be there, or, or you can whoop, throw the books out. I mean, it, this is this is what you want. This is so. Of course, they located him there, and they you know found the verses. For, they did the academic work of locating him on the map and so forth. Hmm. So, such an extraordinary example in human history, amongst the many mystics, and they're all extraordinary in their own way. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is 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 unique hmm, in what. In the, in the measure to which he speaks about the nature of transcendence, the possibilities that lie there, and in his own personal <clears throat> character, moral character, humanness, if you will, and his, his, his ecstasy. There is no example like this in the history of the, of the world, religious or secular, of this kind of happy joy. This is the Mahabhav. Of, this is the, of the happiest person in the world, this, uh, you know, Radha, if you will. So we got off a bit here without going through the text, but he says, uh, we, we read one, but, Nam binu kalikale nahi ardharma 
Sarvamanta Sar Nam Eshastra Marma. So I, I explained that. Itabali Ek Shloka Shikailo More Kante Kori Eshlok Kori Obichar. He says, uh, and then Itabali Eshloka Shikailo More. My guru gave me this instruction keep this verse in your kanta, in your throat. Means always keep, always remember this verse, chant this verse. And he cites the famous verse from Brihad Naradiya Purana to the Prakashananda Saraswati. You're a big scholar of the Vedanta. It's Kali Yuga. You didn't get this one? Harinam, Harinam, Harinam eva kevalam. Kalo, nasteba, 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 vetirhamata. So, no other way, no other way, no other way. Harinam, Harinam, Harinam. And of course, I've already explained, you got to appreciate it in our pluralistic times. And whatnot. You have to understand what is Krishnanam, how inclusive Krishnanam is. And the other ways, of course, that are being spoken about here are the Dharma Marg, the, 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 or the Karma Marg, the, the, the Gyan Marg, the Yoga Marg, hmm? basically, which really sum up the essence of all transcendental paths. It's, of course, Sanskrit Hindu terminology, but um, you could look at the Jesus, uh, the Rumi, the, this one or that one, and they're either doing yoga, the Desert Fathers, Gyan, or they're doing... Of course, karmas is a non-transcendental, but a religious orientation. These are terms that are also, again, inclusive. I mean, they're very comprehensive terms. Karma, Marg. The path of the religious orientational life in which the improvement of material life, which is the realm of karma, is the aim. I mean, most that's that's pretty much sums up what... The religious orientation of life, regardless of what religion you're involved in, you're on the karma marg, hmm? and then there's of course, then there's the gyan marg, hmm? where you have your mystics introspection, and you're moving away. The Buddha's on the gyan marg. Yeah. He's moving away from interaction with sense objects because he understands the thirst for them is the is the cause of um, misery. The, the, um, the, 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 the trishna, is it trishna? The thirst is the cause of dukkha, of suffering. This is gyan, gyan mark. Hmm? So, and yoga mark is there. More system of bodily exercises and uh, deprivations of sleep, austerity, things like this. It's, it's, these are the basic approaches and they have three of them, a, um, a uh, kind of non-material effect. Of course, then, uh, I didn't say bhakti, and then there's bhakti. Hmm? You know, the Jesus has kind of a bhakti approach, it would seem. Uh, um, I mean, I'm not an expert on all the different paths, but I mean, there are the transcendentalists cross-culturally, and these are basically uh, what they're doing. This is just a way of saying, again, that this Hinduism is very, it's the mother of religion. I mean, the more authentic your religious orientation gets, the more it starts to look like Hinduism. Hmm? It starts to promote nonviolence. It considers maybe there's another life. Hmm? Hmm? Um, it, uh, it, beca- it, it promotes a relationship with nature that is sustainable. Mm. and not exploitive. Mm. 
uh, that's Hinduism. So, the mother of religion, and that's that's literally true, um, and such religious diversity even with, with within it, very rich. So, anyway, here he says the Harinam verse is only by chanting the holy, not by dharma, not like not, not not by karma. Well, he's not including karma because it's not a transcendental path, but not by by I guess he is not by karma, not by dhyan, not by yoga, hmm? but chanting name of God is means of course this is this is a limb of bhakti. Kirtan is not a limb of the gyan marg, it's not an anga of the yoga marg, and it's not an anga of the well, it might be an anga of the karma marg with different something else in mind, you know, chant for this or that, um, but uh, it's not spoken of in that way as it is a limb. Hmm? Yoga has its limbs, what it cons- yama, niyama, and so forth. The, the gyan mark has its limbs, vivek and uh, um, vairagya, and the, the cultivation of these, and the six qualities. And it's, it's a whole sophisticated path. Kirtan is not part of that. So kirtan here means, this is the bhakti mark, and the kirtan of, of Krishna Nam. Hmm? And, and Krishna, is, as I often say, he's the one that says, that that kirtan corresponds with me, and, and even more so than what that it does with Narayan or any other form of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. In the Gita, Krishna says, "Satatam kirtayam tomam." Hmm? He describes the qualities of my devotees. They're always doing kirtan about me. We don't hear Shiva say, "So you know, just chant my name, and I'll be there." Hmm? No, hmm? we don't hear Durga or Ganesh saying that. Buddha is not saying that. Hmm? Ryan may say it to some extent, but it's it, it's very prominent in relation to Krishna Bhakti. Krishna himself says it. Hmm? My devotees are always chanting about me, always doing kirtan. When Prabhupada was asked by Professor Stahl, what's with this people you got? You're a Hindu and you got these American people out in the streets chanting mantras. Hmm? This isn't Hinduism. This is a corruption of Hinduism. And Prabhupada wrote back, Satatam Kirtayantama, you're a scholar of Hinduism, have you read this verse from the Bhagavad Gita? Krishna says, aren't they? My devotees are always chanting. Hmm? They're doing kirtan. You gotta, what's the problem? You're a Hindu, you're a, uh, what are they, an Indologist? You missed that verse? Hmm? So, Bhakti Marg and Krishna Bhakti. And e nam. Loi anukshan, nam loite, loite more brantha huilamahan. So since he says, he goes on, I received these orders from a agya, pan, I received this, got the order from my guru to loi anukshan. Loi means to chant, to anukshan, to always repeatedly chant Krishna nam, nam loite, loite more brantha huilamahan. The more I chant, the more I become. Crazy, I become Brahmata. I, I seem to go insane. I'm, this is my testimony. He says, "This is what's happening to me." You asked why I do what I do. I'm giving you the answer. Hmm? So, darite darite nari hoila unmata hashi kandi natchigaiyche madamata. So, while chanting uh, the holy name in ecstasy, then I lose myself in Laughter and tears and dancing and and singing just like a madman. Hmm? 
तबे दौरी धरी मने करेलून विचार कृष्ण नामे ज्ञान चंद्र अमार he says collecting my patience now therefore uh, or at that time uh, i began to consider having followed my guru's order and gotten these results i collected my patience and i began to consider that maybe this chanting of krishna nam is problematic gyan chana hoil amar it seems like my gyan is being chana covered Indeed it is. <laughs> you, you, your, your path is the Gyan Shunya Bhakti. So he's also saying that the, 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 the Gyan is superseded by, transcended by Prem, by love. Your whole path is Gyan Marg. And when I took the orders of my spiritual master seriously and chanted the Krishna Nam, this would happen to me. It seemed as if when I collected myself, my, my knowledge was being covered by the chanting. Hmm? He's implying there's something more than 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 Gyan Marg. I was be, I became bewildered like a, like a crazy person. Pagal, Huilan Ami, Nahimani. I became a Pagal, like a crazy person. It seems. Hmm? Um, and so, what I what did I do? When I got the results from chanting, I went and talked to my guru, and I, I told him, "I'm having a problem. Mm-hmm. I took your advice. I followed. I chanted your mantra, and Krishna Nam and Kiba mantra dilogo side Kiba tarbol, all japite japite mantra, Kurila pagal." He said, "My dear master, what kind of mantra have you given me? Mm-hmm. I become mad by chanting this mantra." Hasyanachai more koraya krandan ittashuni guru hasi borila vachan. Chanting the holy name in ecstasy causes one to dance, to laugh, to cry. And when my guru Maharaj heard that this happened to me, then guru hasi borila vachan. My guru smiled. Guru hasi. And then he began to speak to me. So we'll hear what he said in the next session. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Harinam Prabhu ki jai. Sri Krishna's Kaviraj Kusami Mahashai ki jai. Gol Bhakta Brinda ki jai. Gol Premanandi ki jai. Vanchakal Patru Vyaschat Vasnavye Vachat Patitanam Bhavani Bhavashna Bhavanamana Anantakuri Vashna Brinda ki jai. Gol Premanandi